You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. Photographer Karu Arashira was born in Kenya, and now, in 2014, finds himself on the other side of the globe in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan. Though both environments are very different, Karu's life and philosophies remain the same. Taking photographs that tell stories as only pictures can, Karu moves through life capturing beauty. He cares deeply for the environment and doing his part so that future generations can inherit a sustainable planet. I'm Kevin Power. The circumstances under which I met Karu were a total coincidence, unless you, like myself, believe that life brings people together at a specific time for a specific reason. And one of those reasons is a chance to sit down and listen to Karu's story and in turn share it with you. Enjoy the podcast. So, I am in Lloydminster, the border town, right on the border of Saskatchewan and Alberta, except I'm on the Saskatchewan side still. So, I remain firmly planted on Saskatchewan soil, and I'm at the Culture and Science Centre, and I have with me a guest that I met hmm, maybe two months ago now. Uh, a little less than two months ago, when I walked into the exhibit room and his photography had just, I think the day before, had just gone up um, on the walls, an exhibit. It was a showing by invitation. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. And it was the entire room. Yes, it was. And I remember being quite captivated by the photographs and... Also by a quote that was underneath your bio by one of my favorite authors, Marianne Williamson. And so I turned to the person that was showing me the exhibit and said, does this photographer live here? And she said, yes, he does. And he was here at the opening. And I said, wow, I wonder what the chances would be that I could meet him. And just as I was saying that, you walked in the door of the exhibit. So it was much easier to find you than I thought. My guest is... Karo Thank you. Welcome. I'm so glad we finally got to meet. We kept in touch. We follow each other on Twitter. And um, I remember when you walked in, I remarked about the photographs that it was an exhibit of butterflies. Yes, it was. Um, but... You went on to talk about more than just the butterflies. There was something much deeper than that, which probably is a good introduction to the way you see the world through your camera lens. Yeah, um, the way I see the world, and this uh, I'll probably repeat over and over and over, um, I have purposely chosen 
to see the beauty of this world because I think there's too much beauty. And <clears throat> a lot of my life I've been exposed to the negative and that's what makes news mm-hmm. most of the time. Like this happened and every time you hear about something that happened it was bad to a point that I stopped watching news. Yeah. And um I started shooting and one of the things I decided to do was tell a different story. And it is not exactly different. It's only different that it's not told, but it's not different because it exists in everyone's life and that's just the beauty side, the beautiful side of life and there's a lot of that's beautiful. There's a lot that's beautiful. And um I'm also very close to nature. Part of it maybe because of how I grew up. You grew up in Kenya? I grew up in Kenya. Did you grow up right in Nairobi? No, I grew up in a small town. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a small town in the western part of the country. And we moved into a town and it was still very, very small, very, very still growing. The only thing I think that existed there was the paper machine, a paper factory. Mm. Yeah, and my father had just gotten a job at the paper factory. And I think it opened, it officially, the paper factory officially opened in 1974, and that's when my dad moved in there. And so I went, I moved from uh, where my dad actually was born, because that's where I was born to, and moved to a different town. Um, but as we grew up, the town was growing with us. And it was a lot of, uh, it was almost virgin land, I think, by the time the paper factory got there. And so there was a lot of nature. And one of the things that I remember very vividly is a waterfall that was, say, about, I think about it now, and I think it must be about five, seven kilometers away. Though when I was a kid, it felt like, was too far. Mm-hmm. I could have said it's 20 kilometers, mm-hmm. but I think about it now and I think, yeah. But it's a place I loved to go. And there were two ways of going there. There was a road, like a major road that went to the waterfall. And there was these small tra- trails in, in, the, in the forest. Because most of it was in a forest. It was a hill. And what I liked to do was climb the hill on our way to the waterfall. So... I was always in nature. And we were lucky that uh, a good part of my childhood, the house we lived in, was almost the last line of houses before the hill starts. And the hill, like, after our fence, was the forest. So at the edge of town? The edge of town. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I got to spend a lot of time in the forest. And maybe that has something to do with why I love nature so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so coming back to the butterflies, and um, I'm, I'm big on conservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I try and do whatever I can do for conservation in my own small way, hoping. And that I kind of try to do over and over and over and try to encourage other people. Because I think, I totally believe in kids Mm -hmm. and I feel like if you are going if you're going to give the new generation a future we just don't send them out there Mm -hmm. you also give them something to hold on and most of our resources are natural we destroy that no matter what we give our kids no matter how we 
breed them today. We've stolen so much from them. We are just sending them into, for lack of better words, into a harder life than we actually should. Mm. Yeah, so for me, nature is very important. And um, the butterflies, there's beauty in butterflies. There's the grace of butterflies. There's so much. I feel like you can learn from butterflies that I'll not even be able to put in words. But also, the exhibition was to show the beauty of nature, how beautiful it is. Just to have, because uh, without forests, we wouldn't have butterflies. They wouldn't have anywhere to live. And that is just part of it. Uh, so part of it was to show people how beautiful nature is. And if we conserve it, we'll have all this beauty. If we take it away, all this beauty disappears. Right. Yeah. So what do you attribute your the creative way that you move through life? Were you just, were not just born into this this way of perceiving life. What, who were your influences? Um, I would say art is something that I found in me when I was very young. I cannot trust where it started. Mm-hmm. It happened in days in my life that I cannot remember. Like when I was a kid. Uh, just the way you can't remember your first tip. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the first time I was interested in uh in art. And I remember one of the things that I remember vividly was drawing stuff, helping my mom, because my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she needed aid for teaching because she it was a primary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what uh, you'd call elementary school here. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes you need like pictorial aid. And sometimes I'd help her draw whatever it is that she's drawing to show the kids. Yeah, that I remember. And I also remember having small books, like I'd have my school books, but I'd have my art book where I would just draw, where it wasn't even for school, it was just for me. Mm -hmm. I would draw and finish it. And some of those, I don't know where those books are today, but I'd finish drawing and the book would disappear. Um, If your mom is like most moms, she's kept them. Uh, we moved quite a lot. Mm. We moved from house to house quite a lot when we were growing up. And so a lot of that stuff kind of disappears in the moving. Yeah, um, I know she doesn't have them. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know she doesn't have them. Mm. Yeah, because I love seeing them. Mm. Yeah, and um, also collecting pictures. And most of the pictures I collected were pictures from nature yeah like I would cut out like I'd have cutouts and just take them some of them I'll try to draw them some of them I just want to keep them but I also remember um, and there's something I just remembered the other day there's a time we had uh, Bob uh, chewing gum and I don't remember what it was called but this chewing gum had uh, how they'd have competition so it would have another wrap inside and it would be about uh, certain animals, wild animals, and just basic information of the animal. Like you'd have the lion and basic information of the lion. And I remember collecting a lot of that stuff. I oh, see, in Canada, we had stupid cartoons, and you had something significant like <laughs> wildlife information. <laughs> yeah, and I remember collecting that stuff, and I collected a lot of that. 
and it was so much for me. So I've been attracted to both nature and art. But you walked out into a gift of nature every day. Yeah, I did. I I had that every day of my life. But um, the part of the of the country where we lived, we didn't have the big five. It wasn't a part where there was wildlife. It was small bags. Uh, you'd have rabbits and stuff like that. But it wasn't the big animals. But it was just the feeling of being in nature that I could not resist. Just going to discover, dig and find earthworms and wonder about how do they live, what do they eat. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And, and when did you get your first camera? When did you decide, um, well, when did you decide you wanted to s- express yourself creatively through photography versus painting or drawing? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Um... Maybe it's lazy on my part, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not. But anyway, um, I know I did a lot of uh, drawing. I've exp- I mean, I've expressed myself in different ways. I've drawn, I've painted, and I remember, like, mm, in my age, about maybe twelve to fourteen, I remember visiting my grandma, and one morning I woke up and. For during school holidays, I was staying with her, and one morning I woke up and went outside, and there was Mount Kenya. Mount Kenya is probably the third highest mountain in in Africa, maybe the second highest in East Africa, and uh, actually the second highest in Africa in East Africa. About Africa, I'm not sure, but probably third or very close. And I noticed the mountain, and I wanted to paint it. And the following morning, I woke up, and it looked different. And I thought, I'm going to paint it every morning. (laughs) And look at the pictures and see how different it is. And sometimes it's just how the clouds are. Sometimes it's just the lighting, and it's all different. So, yeah, that is just part of how I've expressed myself in uh, different type of ads. I've done poetry, which I had totally forgotten until someday someone, and that was very recent, someone told me how they remember how I used to write poetry while I was in school, and I was like, well, that's really cool. I'd forgotten about that. Mm. Yeah, so I've expressed myself. But um, photography is something I've had an interest in for pretty much a long time. But I never thought it's something I want to do. Yeah. And um, what would happen is every time we went for trips or stuff like that, I wouldn't even have a camera. But people with cameras would give me their camera, take pictures for them. 
Mm-hmm. So I take, and they'd be like, yeah, they're at you one. Take pictures for me. And I'd take pictures for them and give them back their cameras. I'd take pictures for them and give them back their camera. And um, at some point when I, decide, when I decided I'm from my teenage life into my adulthood, there was a lot of years that didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> you and most people. On it was, yes, it was party life. Like I made money for the party. So at some point I decided maybe I need to start making money for myself. And I decided to go to take up something to do. And I started doing graphic design. And I was lucky to get an entry-level graphic design job when I didn't know anything about graphic design. And that is why I started learning graphic design. The only reason I actually got that job was because the person recognized me as an artist. And they figured out once I learn how to use it, to use the equipment that I can create, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's why I learned. And I ended up doing graphic design for a long time. Easy to teach the equipment, much harder to teach creativity. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I was lucky in that way. So I ended up doing graphic design for a long time. And then I met a woman. <laughs> and he rolls his eyes. Yep. Then I met a woman. And um, You're still in Kenya at this point? At this point, I'm mm-hmm. still in Kenya. Okay. And I realized one of my dreams that I'd never brought to my forethought, it always existed, was to travel the world. And I met her and I thought, and I realized, since she's not Kenyan, her job can land her anywhere in the world. I want to do something that I can do wherever, wherever I am, wherever I am. No, no matter where I go, I'll still be able to do it. Something that's international, mm-hmm. right? And I thought, photography. And I, don't, I can't explain how I picked up photography. And I thought, I'll, I'm going to try photography. This is what I'm going to do. And I got some money and bought my first camera. I bought a set of two lenses and a camera, uh, entry-level DSLR. And while I was still doing my graphic design, I decided I'm going to learn the equipment. But stubborn me again, I will not go to school to be taught. I want to learn things my own way. I want to learn I want to see how hard it is. I want to be to, I want to know you're supposed to do this and I want to do the opposite. Uh-huh. And see what happens if I do the opposite. And that I guess is how I've learned so many things in my life. Like I'll know what the rule is, but I'll try and break the rule and feel the pain and understand. And sometimes it's not the pain, sometimes it's joy mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go opposite it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so I did that and one thing that happened that I have recognized was a good thing, was I broke my camera. You broke it? I broke it. And what happened was then, because of something I did, and I didn't know what it was, but in my learning process, I spoiled, I burnt something inside the camera, and the flash wouldn't work. So the only other way to learn didn't have much money to fix it or get another camera. The only way to learn was to learn how to use the camera without a flash. Mm. That exactly turned out to be a very good thing because mm-hmm. then it pushed me from shooting inside 
to shooting outside. Uh-huh. And it sent me back to nature. Right. Yeah, and by this time where I lived, there was a forest about, and this is now in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I lived was about three kilometers from a forest that has been conserved in Nairobi, and that's Karura Forest. Ah. Yes. And yeah, so I decided uh, every time I have any amount of time, I will go to Karura Forest and shoot. For one, I loved Karura Forest. It was my peace. It was my little heaven. And once I started shooting, there was so much joy. There was so much peace just being behind that lens that I cannot explain. It became my heaven. And that's most of the time, that's how I express it, like being being behind the lens is my heaven. Why does the name of that forest sound eerily like your name? Ah, coincidence, I guess. Okay. But maybe there are no coincidences in life. But yeah, it's a coincidence. And um, I started shooting. And one day I walked into Karura and I noticed butterflies. And they were just getting more and more butterflies. But I was shooting these butterflies. They were being my subject. Butterflies became my subject. I became interested in them. And that's how... That exhibition that was here right. ended up like I eventually. Most of that was my learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I looked at it and I realized I have a whole collection here, and I loved Karura Forest. Uh, part of the reason I did the first one, the first exhibition I put up up a collection was because I was trying to keep my heaven the way it is, and so the first exhibition that ever happened with butterflies of Karura. I approached Karura Forest, their management, and talked to them. Uh, they agreed, so we had an exhibition in Karura Forest. In the forest? I would have loved to be in Karura Forest, no, yeah. but I could not get material at that point with the time given that would survive the forces of nature right. every day being outside. Sure. Yeah, so luckily they have a hall. They have an educational hall. And so in the hall is where, but the hall is in the forest. Mm-hmm. So that is where the exhibition was. Uh, I think it was 30% of the process. I sent it back into the forest mm-hmm. to help uh, maintain the forest. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, so my first camera, yeah, was about four or five years ago. So not that long ago, really. No, no, no. Did um, you get the flash fixed, or did you finally end up getting a camera with a flash? Um, what happened was uh, I got comfortable with nature. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I started, I started shooting. Um, I was trying to find my age. So I was shooting people. I was trying to shoot events. I was trying just so that I find where I'm most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I also realized is when I shot people, I didn't want to shoot them in the studio. I want to take them out in nature and just shoot people in nature. Yeah, so nature for me is just something I cannot run away from. But there's something else about shooting people that you found limiting. We talked about that when you and I first met. There was something yeah, about... I find um, shooting people, I'd like to be the voyeur shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the shooter because there's, I find there's so much beauty in people. Um, when they're just being themselves. Mm-hmm. There is it's some, really hard to do in front of the camera. 
Yeah, and I find like, um, and I'll give you an example with say myself. I mean, that boy I look up to. Um, I think Denzel Washington is freaking handsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a musician I grew up knowing, and that was Alal Cool J. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was cool. Mm-hmm. And so depending, and I have figures like that in my life yeah, that I knew, and I know other p- people have, and depending on the mood, sometimes I would want to be like LR or I want to be like Denzel. Or I saw a picture of somebody else who looked so good in his picture, and this is how he looked. And so what happens is I, I find when most people see a camera, they stop being themselves and they go back to being the person they want to be. Mm-hmm. And that is, who do I know? Do I want, I want to look like Michael or Michael Jackson. I want to look like mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela. I want to look so wise. I want to look like Buddha. You know? And people will try to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so what happens in that, I find, is the person that is, is lost in the picture. The person they're trying to be, they can't. So it's lost in the picture. So the person you get is someone in the middle Mm -hmm. who doesn't know who he is. And for some reason, cameras can tell that. Pictures can tell that. And it steals away from the beauty I see. Sometimes the picture is beautiful in the aspect of the quality of the picture and stuff. But uh, I don't find it's something I want to show because it's not what I see. What I saw, the beauty I saw, the beauty that I really wanted to share with the world is lost in that picture. And so it becomes very hard for me to show. Mm. Nature, for some reason, just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is what I love about nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you should say that because I had a, uh, a guest, um, Jenny Nividomi in Meadow Lake, and we were having a discussion about her creativity. And she said she spent so much time of her former years trying to be something else, to fit inside the box, to color inside the lines. Um, and it was her true creativity came out when she stopped trying to be what she felt was expected of her creatively and started to just be what she felt she was meant to be. And then she felt she became an artist, which I think is sort of a metaphor for so many of us waste so many years trying to be something that we think people want us to be. It's when we finally let that go and become our most authentic self that we begin living. And maybe that's sort of what it is like for people in front of the camera. They spend so much time trying to be an image of what they think they should be or what they want to emulate yes or what the set expects them to be and they won't be that because themselves is not interesting enough not beautiful enough yeah they don't believe they're beautiful enough to be captured yeah that's true yeah i can see how that is do you find beauty in ugly images as well this is is going to sound very very cliche Mm -hmm. but hardly do i see ugly no, it doesn't sound cliche at all. That's kind of what I expected you would say. Hardly mm-hmm. do I see ugly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see ugly. You probably see ugly through acts, um, actions, people's actions. You probably see. Ugly. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That though there's a level which I understand the ugly actions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a level I understand the ugly actions too. 
Mm. I think most of the time um, we see the actions from our perspective. Mm. And if we actually went back to, like, um, to the person, if we went back to the person and see where he's coming from, most of the time the action actually wasn't ugly. It's just maybe they didn't know any better or that's just how they expressed themselves. We just didn't understand. If you're enjoying this episode of Sascapes, why not download the entire series for free from the iTunes store? Simply search for Sascapes by Sass Culture. And while you're there, feel free to support Sascapes by giving us a star rating or writing a review. From time to time, I'll share some of the comments in upcoming episodes. And who knows, it could be your comment I read next. And now, back to the podcast. So, back to you and your photography. Um, how did you get here? There you are in Kenya, a relatively warm climate. Beautiful place. And here we are in Saskatchewan. Tell me about the road to Saskatchewan for you. Um, my wife is a teacher. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> She's an international teacher. She's Canadian. And um, you met her in Kenya. In Kenya, yeah. We met in Kenya. Um, what was she doing in Kenya? She um, she teaches English as a second language. Uh-huh, right. And so, in her last year of university, she was in Kenya uh, for I don't know what term they use here, but basically. It's teaching practice. Mm-hmm. So practice too, especially because the part of the country where she was, most of those kids' English is a second language. Mm-hmm. It happens to be the place where my dad was born. Yeah. And uh, what happened was uh, my dad had passed away and my brother had passed away. And we decided to bury them back uh, in the homeland, Right. So, but we didn't live there. We lived in Nairobi, and this is in uh, Karatina, which is a small town in Kenya. <clears throat> and so uh, it was a few years after that that uh, we decided now to put up the tombstones. Kind of in Kenya, we don't put tombstones right away. Yeah, there's a burial, then there's one year that passes, and eventually put up a tombstone. And we decided now we had decided to put tombstones for both my father and. My brother and um, my mom decided she's going to give that job to me. And so that day, it happens that uh, I had big plans in the city. So I was going in, doing what I'm doing, and going back to the city. But the guys who were going to do the work, because we had employed guys to come, all, all, all I was doing was overseeing. So I called my mom and I'm like, you know what? I know nothing about building. I know nothing about mixing cement. So uh, these guys have started their work. It's not done. They're going to finish tomorrow. So I'm leaving. And so I decide, okay, no, I'll just finish up with these guys, see what they're doing. I'll wait till the last possible time to leave town, to be in Nairobi at a certain time before I leave. And just before I left, my sister calls me. So I decide, you know what, I'll stay. I'll stay. And so um, there's a friend I knew from childhood. And he had moved from 
where we grew up in the small town in Western Kenya. And he had gone back because we knew each other through our parents and they worked in the same place, but the, his parents had already moved back to their original home. And so I met this guy and we decided we'll hang out a bit, but he had to go home because he lived there. He had a wife and kids. He has to go back to them. So it's okay, let's have a drink till about seven. I'll get a place. I'll sleep here in a hotel. I'll finish what I'm doing tomorrow and leave. So it turns out uh, the place I go, we decided to go sit. Uh, it's, it's the hotel I chose because I chose a hotel where I don't have to walk around at night. It's a place where I can eat, have my drink, and when I'm tired, they have uh, hotel rooms where I can go and sleep. <clears throat> it turns out these foreign girls end up in the same hotel, and um, they sit right next to our table. And so I sit with my friend till about seven, eight, and he has to leave. He leaves, and I'm left alone. And for some reason, we start talking with these girls, and that's how we met. We saw each other again a few times in Kenya uh, because of where I lived and where she was working. And then she she left, and um, she came back to Canada. After that, she went to teach in Turkey, and. It was long distance. It was a long distance relationship for some time. After that, um, pretty much we decided maybe we should give it a shot, like stay together, see how this goes. And during one of her breaks, she came to visit me in Kenya. And we made copies of a CV and dropped them in all international schools possible in Nairobi. And she was lucky enough she got a job. Or should I say, we were lucky enough that she got a mm-hmm. job. Yeah, well, we lived for about four years, and then she decided she wants to try it back here. And I thought, you know what, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Now, did you know anything about Canada at this point? Had you been here before? Yeah. Um, not this part of the country, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that would be the East Coast. Ah, my home. New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Born and bred in in Moncton, New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And then when did you get to Saskatchewan? Um, to Saskatchewan, I got here last year, November. Oh, so not that long. No. Oh, you've only gone through one winter. Yes. Oh. Yeah, which was interesting. Which was interesting. Because um, I kind of like extremes. That's how I experience life. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good extreme from Kenya yeah. to Saskatchewan winter. And I'm kind of glad it happened that way. Because I've always wanted to experience the extreme of cold. Like a real winter. And that turned out to be great for me. Well, you came to the right place. I'm, I'm glad I did. And you obviously found... A different kind of beauty to photograph here. Yeah, um, I'll say at first when I came in, coming from Kenya and landing here, because what I had seen of Canada was very different from what I see here. And yeah, that was confusing for me. It took me a while to start seeing beauty again. And I had to slap myself a few times like, (laughs) Karoya, what happened to you? You're supposed to be seeing beauty in life. It was hard. It was hard. And then again, I came in in the winter. Also, I landed here and I didn't know my way around. I could not drive, right? Because uh, there's a process I need to go through to get a driver's license. I can't. Uh, 
And that kept me in the house a lot. There are times I forced myself to get out and walk, walk out. And one of the, one of the things I did was go downtown. Yeah, I wanted to see what's in downtown. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in downtown, and before I actually see what's going on, I'm on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, and I'm wondering. But yeah. And then at some point, I slapped myself and decided to see the beauty of this place. And I think, I'm glad. I'm glad I ended up here. I don't know how long I'll be here. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, this is the best thing that really ever happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you here. mentioned to me that you find it hard to, or not hard, but it's very different shooting in Saskatchewan winter. Yes. And that's because of lighting? The lighting here and the lighting in Kenya are very different in ways that uh, I cannot explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's things that I see and I do not have the words for it. But yeah, the lighting here and the lighting in Kenya is very different. And so shooting in the winter for me the first time was really hard. Yeah, it was like I couldn't get the colors the way I'd like to. Mm. Yeah, what I saw... In Kenya, I think, since I'd practiced there enough, I was able to translate what I see into my pictures. It was very hard to translate that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, it doesn't matter how anybody else thinks, how good anybody else thinks the picture is. If I don't think it's good enough, it's not my work. Mm-hmm. It does not translate mm-hmm. how I see things and how I feel about it. So, yeah, so... Yeah. Have you seen the Northern Lights yet? Yes, I have. And uh, have you tried? To not in their one? full potential. Yeah. Not in their full potential. And I'm really waiting for that. I've, yeah. I have a few good pictures mm-hmm. of the Northern Lights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's something I'm still pursuing. Have you done yet a Saskatchewan exhibit or an exhibit of pictures from the area here? No, not yet. But what I have done uh, in Lloydminster is I've done postcards. Mm-hmm. Yes, so there's not been an exhibition yet of the area, of life here. Yeah. But what I have are um, a set of postcards, mm-hmm. and some of them are being sold here mm-hmm. at uh, the Lloydminster Science and Cultural Center. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a few pictures. I mean, like the sunsets here are awesome. Yeah. Um, and how's the artistic community here? Um, very accommodating. Very accommodating. Um, uh, the people I've met have been very nice, very accommodating, very supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason I say coming here, having landed here, has been the best thing for now. Right. Yeah. And you hang out at the root. I try. Well. I try to as much as I can. Is that sort of the central hub where the artists... Yeah, it is. Um, I think the name pretty much sums it up. Mm-hmm. The Root Community Emporium. Mm-hmm. That is so true about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I love the root. I don't know how this town would be without the route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad I never got to know. That's good. We're we're heading over there <laughs> right after this. We'll be there for the afternoon and the evening. Um, you've not yet had time to go back to Kenya since you've been here. No, I've not had. No, I've not been able to. Something I actually, I think, in the recent years 
of my life. I have had time to go into myself and figure out who I really am. And I now figure um, I get bored with stuff fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was understanding what happened in school was uh, looking back. Every time a new topic started, <clears throat> I caught on very fast. And yes, I knew, oh, this sounds interesting because it was something new. Yeah, and I caught on very fast and understood what I was saying. But the teacher has a lot of kids to deal with. And so he'll have to repeat a few things over and over and over. And that becomes boring. It starts killing me. Mm-hmm. And I zone off. So when he stops repeating and continues with the topic with new information, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Oh, you're still gone. I'm still gone. Oh, so you missed the updates. So I miss everything else. <laughs> oh so I, all I got most of the time was the initial introduction of uh-huh. the topic, of whatever new topic we were learning. Okay. Anything after that, I was zoned off. Out-of-body experience, right out of the room. Uh, right and, there. And where would you go? Um, I'd probably be in the field playing. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be going through some lines, because I am an actor. Uh-huh. I'm an actor, and... I was very good in sports in school. Mm-hmm. So that's where my head would be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. All typical trademarks of an artist, I dare say. <laughs> Are you your own worst critic? I think. Yeah. Sometimes, I don't know. I mean, like, I get pictures. And if it's someone I have never met before, which kind of I get in exhibitions... Some of them come and tell me how good my work is. And there are pictures I look and I'm very happy with. And I will look at them again and again. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's a good picture. Could have been better. I think there's only one picture right now that I'm totally satisfied with that I look at and I think it, could have, it couldn't have been different. Mm-hmm. No matter, because uh, uh, I know I have changed my camera. I used my fast camera, my anti-level camera. Until about two months ago. And then I bought another camera. You used a is, camera with no flash until about two months ago? Yes. Wow. Like all, almost all my work. In fact, generally by now 98% of my work that you'll see out there mm-hmm. was without one camera. Wow. Yeah. And um, right now I just got a new camera, which is awesome. I don't know. I mean, like it's... High end, mm-hmm. very good camera. But like that picture I'm talking about, I look at it and I know even if it was with this camera, it couldn't have been any better. There's only one picture, mm-hmm. yeah, which I've printed in canvas and is sitting in my house. I'm still trying to decide what to do with. Yeah, I'm starting to think that all artists, myself included, have to have to have that element of not being quite satisfied. That it's that that's what propels you forward to keep getting better. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, like, and I don't think it's just artists. I know Steve Jobs said, "Always be hungry." Mm, yeah. Yeah, one of his favorite quotes. I mean, like, I don't follow personalities a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know I absorb stuff a lot, and I don't want, especially for my work, I don't want to be influenced by other people. I just want to be me. And so I don't follow Paul a lot. But 
one of uh, one of the things that I hear once in a while I'll hear and it'll make sense to me. It'll mm-hmm. talk to my soul. That I keep. So I can't say I know about Steve Jobs, but I know he say always be hungry. And I think yeah, like anybody else, if you want to be good in something, always be hungry. Always want more. Yeah. Okay. Now comes the fun part. Started subjecting a few guests to these ten questions. Well, they were ultimately known as the first questionnaire, and here they are. What is your favorite word? Or what is a word that you love? Well, you know, we can... Awesome. 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 Okay. What is your least favorite word, or what is a word that you dislike? Wrong, I think. Wrong? Wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a word I really dislike. Something to that effect. I don't have a particular word, but something to that effect. Okay. Yeah, wrong. Yeah. What turns you on? What part of me? Your brain. Uh, insightful conversations. Mm-hmm. Insightful and uh, deeply intellectual. Mm-hmm. No. In fact, that, I think, for some reason, puts me off. It is the simple, insightful words. Mm-hmm. The, the simplicity of life that takes us back to our core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What turns you off? Judgment. Judgment. Yeah. When people mm. have to judge others a lot. Mm. Yeah. When people have to decide this person did this and that's so wrong and they don't understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. I zone off. What sound or noise do you love? Water hitting rocks. Water hitting rocks. Does Bare that rocks. go back to that waterfall? I don't know where it comes mm. from, but water, the sound of water. In fact, mainly the sound of water doing anything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even the sound of water when it's silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like I'll say, I love my showers. Mm-hmm. I last in my showers longer than an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a lot about the water. But yeah, one of my favorite sounds is water flowing, hitting rocks and mm-hmm. just moving. Yeah, I remember once I sat in a waterfall. And I wondered what it is about that sound that I love so much, and I decided to break it down. Like every sound, like separate the sounds, because it sounds like one sound, but I realized it can be separated into very many different sounds, like Mm -hmm. every drop is a different sound, but it comes together so well. Hmm. It's music. What sound or noise do you hate? Most of the time it's sudden loud sounds, like hoots. Like yeah. cahoots, mm-hmm. sudden loud sounds. Because they're frightening or they're jarring? or I don't know. I find myself asking myself, was that necessary? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, here we go with question number seven. May take you back to question number one. What's your favorite curse word? If I had nothing else to say, if I was, all my words were taken away and I was only allowed to use one word, mm-hmm. I feel like with what, that one word, I can be the politest, mm-hmm. I can express myself the best, mm-hmm. I can be the rudest if I want mm-hmm. with just that one word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe for, me, for me to express something, especially when I really want to go deeply into myself, I don't know any other word to use but that. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to the 
is it intonation or is it the tone of it? Mm. Then you'll understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. I totally get it. Mm. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt to do? If I took the camera away from you and said you're no longer allowed to shoot photographs. I'd cry. Okay, you'd cry. And then you'd have to find another profession. What profession might you, have you thought you might like to attempt? But I'd go into conservation. Yeah, I'd go into conservation or something that I'm already doing, Mm -hmm. working with kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, What profession would you not like to do? The last thing I'd want to do is sit on a desk and do the same thing every day. I was hoping that's where you'd go. I would die. I bet. Yeah. Just knowing how you were in the classroom. <laughs> repetitive repetitive tasks yeah. would drive you up the ball. I'd enjoy it the first day. Yeah. Because it's something new. Yeah. And the second day. And the third day. Mm-hmm. And then Right. Right. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You will f- awesome. <laughs> Oh, great. Now I have to come up with a bleeping sound for that. (laughs) Right. Okay. So your answer is you were F-bomb awesome is your answer. Okay. Well, good. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad we finally had a chance to make this happen. Somehow I felt it was meant to be since you walked into the room that day that I get back here to do this. I guess things... I believe things that must happen will happen. You know what else must happen? No. You've got a whole winter to come up now. (laughs) Best of luck with that Saskatchewan winter. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I bet I will love it. I went through it last year pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, I bet I will love it. And this time I guess I'll be shooting with my new camera, which I call my little monster now. Yeah, my last one was called Samantha. The last one was called Samantha. Samantha? She was beautiful. She did Uh a lot of good stuff for me. And then Samantha's flash went out. Yep. And Uh, now you've got the little monster. Now I have the little monster. Okay. uh, It was just fascinating. Maybe I can catch up with you in the spring and see how you and the little monster made it through the winter. (laughs) Yeah, we should. We should. We should. should. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other Sass Culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...